Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Our experiences of holidays are as diverse and complicated as families, emotions, and grief, which is to say they're very complicated. And in this Father's Day episode, Anita of Wild Thistle Kitchen explores all of these topics, family, grief, and Father's Day so beautifully and bravely. Anita's father, Scott, was not the typical dad, if there even is such a dad, really, outside of the movies. Scott's work brought him all over the world, where he embedded himself in local cultures for months or even years at a time, away from his family. And when Scott was home, he could sometimes be a loner when certain moods hit. And yet, despite these things, he was Anita's caretaker, her support system, her music teacher, encourager, partner in adventure, and ultimate example of living a life of exploration and freedom, both in the kitchen and out of it. I will admit that as I listened to Anita talk, I had to resist the urge to play armchair psychologist. I wanted to dive deep and try to make sense of her experiences with her father in a way that I could categorize and explain for myself. But the reality is very simple. Anita and her dad were soulmates. They just got each other. They loved one another, they were there for each other, and they were truly a gift to the other. Whether Father's Day for you is complicated by personal experiences with family, regret, grief, or whether Father's Day is a joyful celebration of a man who was everything you wanted him to be, I think Anita's story will resonate and make you feel that Father's Day has room for you and your experiences also. Welcome, Anita. And thank you for being here, listeners. Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Do I hear like birds chirping in the background? Yes, I'm sitting outside and it's oh. such a nice day. So I thought I'd come out here so you wouldn't hear our dogs barking or Jason's on a conference call inside. So I just oh. thought it and I love to be outside anyway. So it's very cheerful. I kind of yeah. imagine the cheerful birds twittering around Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I know that the land that you live on is such a special part of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I kind of like that they're that they're out there. So before we get to the land though, I like I mentioned in these questions, I thought about this for a long time and there's a real sorrow and sadness that we're going to talk about today as we talk about your father yeah. and I felt like if we just spent the whole time working up to that, it might be like nervous or like is now the time to say it or something like that and I just felt yeah. like it would be easiest and the most humane to like just start Start with that. Oh, Start with the really, yes. really hard stuff. I, I think that's a good idea. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it. So I don't want you to feel afraid to ask about it. Mm. It's, of course, I'm probably going to cry at some point, but like mm -hmm. we already, we already knew that that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, know. yes. And I think that obviously your tears and your sorrow and your grief go to show how much you loved your father. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners might not know this, but I did approach you last year because we had kind of talked privately about your father and your grieving process mm -hmm. and you just weren't ready to talk about your dad. So why don't you just walk us through that? Tell me what was too difficult last year. Uh, just, I mean, I am a very emotional person, mm -hmm. always very sentimental, nostalgic and 
he passed away in 2018, August okay. of 2018. And okay. other than speaking with Jason, my family, people mm-hmm. who, you know, were involved in that horrible experience, I hadn't, haven't talked about it mm-hmm. publicly, I guess you could say, other, other than writing about it, which to me is a lot like speaking about it, um, mm-hmm. very therapeutic, I guess. And there are definitely tears involved then too. Um, mm, of course. But I just, there was a lot going on, like busy, life is busy always. And, yeah. And I think just maybe yeah. even, even leading up to this, as much as I'm so happy to talk to you really finally for the first time, mm, yeah. I was nervous about, about it. I appreciate that. And, you know, I have a cousin who she she lost a sister to suicide. So my my cousin. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I remember her saying how much time it took to grieve. Yeah. And so like, even when you said there was a lot going on, it's like, you know, that there's going to be this additional loss and sacrifice every time you open yourself up to grieving. It's like the time, it's the hardship of the feelings. It's just reliving that pain. And it's just like, you have to brace yourself almost for it still. I, yeah, definitely. And that's such a good way of describing it. And, and being, you know, a mother or a parent or, you know, someone who, has a full-time job, like having other obligations. Like I know what, I know what you're saying and what your cousin was saying. Like you're still sad all the time, Mm -hmm. but you have these other things that you have to like deal with like real life. You can't just go like lock yourself in a room and be sad for, you know, the whole time you're sad. Like, yeah, yeah. Living. And, and also what's interesting and that I've learned through this process is, and I've written about it is you can still be, and I still am incredibly happy. Like Mm -hmm. I love my life. I love my family, my husband. I have all these wonderful things, but I'm still really sad, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) really sad. And Mm -hmm. that's just interesting to me that you can have those those very different feelings at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of space and room in your heart and your mind. And I wonder if I wonder if that is part of what's so difficult and exhausting about grief also is even just here, you had to be like, I was kind of dreading this conversation, but don't worry, I'm happy to talk to you. It's almost (laughs) like if you feel like you constantly have to do that, if you're grieving around your kids, like, but I really love you and I'm happy to be around you. Like if you just have to constantly be explaining yourself and that's tiring, that's a burden in and of itself. Yeah, it can be. And, and having like you would ask me about having kind of this constant reminder of my dad, which even mm-hmm. if I wasn't living here, I would anyway, because everything reminds me of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I cook, going to the grocery store reminds me of him, just every little thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, having those constant reminders, it is bittersweet. It, it makes me happy to have those mm-hmm. memories, but it also makes me sad. I mean, I still have a hard time and I, I love music. My dad and I, that was another part of our relationship was just listening to really great old music. And I was raised listening to it. And he used to play guitar and piano. And I couldn't listen to music for a very long time after he passed wow. away. And still, it, wow. it's hard. Like certain songs I'll hear and it's immediately, oh my God, I'm going to cry. It's and like, I don't much. I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not embarrassed to cry. It just mm-hmm. if you're in the wrong place and like, yeah. you know, it's like a sort of a triggering experience, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. Like here we go again. Like, <laughs> I have, yeah. Like I've kind of learned how to avoid those situations. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like sometimes when Jason and I are making dinner and we both love music, mm-hmm. we'll put music on, but I'm like, 
I know which which genres I can handle or like <laughs> which mm. time periods. Mm-hmm. And I know that might sound so silly, but it's one of those things. I'll hear a certain song and it'll just kind of immediately I remember listening to that song with my dad or learning about that artist or band with my dad and I just mm. <laughs> like mm. it's like I just can't handle it mm. yeah so. you're just constantly in self-protective mode yeah I mm. think so yeah when I hear you talk about this or like the little hints that I pick up it sounds to me like obviously you you miss your father a lot but his death that process was very traumatic for you and are you definitely was okay are you willing or wanting to share about that or something that you kind of just want to set aside um I mean I can give a a sort of quick kind of summary of it I won't get Mm -hmm. into any of the gory details but he he had not just a heart attack he had cardiac arrest um Mm -hmm. so obviously it was sudden cardiac arrest is when your heart stops beating okay um so you're basically dead at that point um okay and so that happened thankfully i guess i mean it could have been thankfully he was at my grandmother's house and my cousin was there at the time they were eating lunch and so my cousin immediately started you know performing cpr and called 911 and he went to the hospital and they called me you know very shortly after that and i went to the hospital where he had been taken and he was getting ready. Oh, Mm, I'm (laughs) sorry. It's okay. Um, He was airlifted to another hospital and I Mm -hmm. saw him like before, Mm. before they took him. And, uh, you know, they said like, go over, like talk to him. And I did, but Mm -hmm. he was definitely not conscious. Um, Mm. He was, I guess, somehow still alive at that point. They had him hooked up to something that was kind of keeping his heart pumping. And um, they did a quick procedure, which went really well when he went to the other hospital. And in the meantime, I had driven to that. It was about 30 minutes away. And I was just waiting to hear. And they came out and said, you know, the procedure went well. His heart is beating again. He's still unconscious. But they, I guess in the ambulance, they give, they gave him, you know, all kinds of stuff and were, you know, doing very aggressive CPR, which is what they should do, you know? And so at that point I was obviously still horrified, but kind of hopeful um, that, you know, when you hear the procedure went well, like you're like, okay, good. Mm -hmm. And they took him up to the critical care unit and it was just like a constant roller coaster of emotions for the next like eight days From one day to the next, it was a different story. And I don't blame the doctors or nurses at all. It was just such a, you know, like they're changing shifts and they're learning as they come in, like what's going on with this patient. But in the end, I guess when he had the cardiac arrest and when he came back, like when I guess his heart started beating again, and it's kind of common, I think, in or what I learned is in cardiac arrest cases, he basically had like a a huge like snowstorm of strokes, like tiny little strokes okay. in his brain. And it just, and they did an MRI to confirm that. And uh, he just, he was dead. Like he was yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like a vegetable. Um, so, you know, after nine days, he died. And 
you know, he was taken off life support and everything because that's how he would have remained, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's the story. And it it was very traumatic. Um, And it's like for a little while after that, I mean, even still, like, I don't talk about it often, obviously, that experience. I talk about my dad a lot, um, Mm -hmm. but Jason had a, cut himself pretty badly. He was working on something. And so I took him to the emergency room Mm -hmm. in the same one that my dad had Mm -hmm. gone into. And Mm -hmm. it's weird because I am a very, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm very Mm self-aware. I think of myself as a very strong person. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced that, like, I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, when emotions just blindside you. Yeah. Like I was mm-hmm. walking up there and I was fine the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it was like an actual flashback experience. Mm-hmm. And I still went in with him and we took care of what we needed to take care of. But I started crying like on the sidewalk and mm-hmm. like, calmed myself down and we kept going. But it was so strange to have that mm-hmm. experience take over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never experienced that before. And I I don't joke about PTSD. I know it's a very real thing and it's Mm -hmm. a horrible thing. But I have said to Jason before, like just the two of us, I really think I have PTSD Mm -hmm. surrounding that Mm -hmm. experience because it was, it was horrifying. Like Mm -hmm. this nine days of being on watch, like I was there watching my dad and talking to Mm -hmm. doctors and thinking like one day, oh, he's going to be okay. And the next day, oh no, he's not. And in the end he wasn't. And it was just, it was awful. Mm -hmm. It was so awful. So hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so sudden. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have been any better if, if I had been able to say goodbye to him, it still would have been terrible, but there's a part of that. You never, like you remember your last conversation or text Mm -hmm. message and interaction with that person. And Mm. That's it. That's mm-hmm. the end. Do you remember those? I do. We were, we were actually the day before he had his cardiac arrest. He was my grandmother's birthday and um he didn't come to her party because he wasn't feeling great, which oh, you know, he was okay. Yeah. probably leading up to this horrible thing and yeah. um so we were texting about it and he wrote his last text to me. I said something about my grandma's birthday and he said, yeah, like joke. He, we always, he was very joking kind of person. And he said, oh yeah, we're going to have to take out a mortgage to buy her candles. (laughs) (laughs) So like his last text to me was funny and I still Mm. have it. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I, I hold on to those things, even though I really can't like handle going back and reading them, but Mm-hmm. it's like I want to I want to have them and mm-hmm. I have so so many emails that we would send to each other over the years and mm. like just today I was looking back because I was remembering this asparagus recipe that we had kind of created together and I, mm. I didn't know if we had ever written it down but I, I kind of remember it and I'm going to share it soon but mm-hmm. the relationship we had was you know a lot about food and mm-hmm. always joking and just funny like he Mm. he really was such a funny smart man Mm. it's nice to go back and read those things but it's also sad yeah yeah so I do feel like this is a really good easy easy way to transition because like I said I kind of was like let's just let's take off the band-aid right Um, (laughs) but (laughs) we didn't ultimately do this interview 
to talk about his death because, you know, right. you celebrate his life, obviously. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. So I actually, I didn't put this in the question, but can we talk about your father as a son? Because I feel like <laughs> all of your writing mentions your grandmother and actually yes. even your, your business title ties into this. So tell me about your father like as a son. He was quite the wild man, that's for sure. Um, so, but they all really were. So my grandparents mm-hmm. had four sons mm-hmm. and three of them are, my uncles are still living, mm-hmm. still wonderful. I have a very good relationship with all of them. And mm-hmm. so it was, Mark was the oldest, is the oldest, my dad, Paul, and then my uncle Rick is the youngest. And boy, he has some stories being the youngest. <laughs> My grandparents have raised incredible men, boys, Mm. men, and really did such a good job. Mm. Um, Just always encouraged education and creativity. But but yeah, my dad was very creative, very artistic and musical. Music was kind of his thing and food. But he never pursued either of those as careers. It was just kind of what he enjoyed doing. I think he was kind of afraid like a lot of people are like, Mm -hmm. well, if I really love doing this and I try to make it my career, I'm going to end up hating it, Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. which I don't believe in. I mean, I'm doing what I love and I still love it. But, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but he, he also was just such a people person and, Mm -hmm. but not in like a schmoozy kind of way. Like Mm -hmm. he just, he could adapt, he could blend in wherever he went. And Mm So his career kind of led him in that direction, traveling and working internationally. But I'm getting off your question. As a son, he was, I mean, my grandparents adored him, um, <laughs> but he also drove them crazy. Like he was just kind of the, the wild one. Um, he was definitely a hippie, he definitely did things, but, you know, I would not want my children doing. <laughs> Um, and he told me a lot of a lot of the stories from mm-hmm. his time. Uh, he was born in '52, so mm-hmm. oh, you know, okay. he was all part of the whole, you know, like Vietnam protesting uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and hippie era and uh, music. Like, I think that's another reason why music was such a big mm-hmm. thing because he he was there, you know, when the music was just changing and evolving mm-hmm. and becoming, you know, what it what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was very much influenced by that era with music and mm-hmm. kind of being a free spirit. Mm-hmm. He was also a caretaker. He could be a little bit of a curmudgeon at times, but like he, <laughs> my grandparents in their older years, my grandfather had a stroke probably about a year, maybe 18 months before my dad passed away. And my dad was kind of done traveling at that point, like semi-retired. Mm-hmm. Um, he did travel a couple times in between, but they lived about 20 minutes from here. Okay. Um, so really he became like their caretaker and, and he loved it. Like he, he, they always had a good relationship, um, but he really like kind of stepped up during that time and would, mm-hmm. you know, make them meals and go over and make sure they got to their doctor's appointments. And he definitely had his ups and downs with like, being social like he would mm. kind of go into like hermit mode as I called it um, mm. and like I could be around him during that time but he wasn't like going to family get-togethers mm. or like mm-hmm. being extra social but he was a very compassionate kind of he had that caretaking mm-hmm. especially when it came to feeding people he, mm. he loved that. that's what he loved um, mm. so would so. he cook for his parents once his dad had that stroke 
Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he pretty much was like their personal chef during that time. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So we've kind of gotten the sense that your dad was like this free spirit. Maybe he kind of gave your grandparents hell, but he also really took care of them, paid back for yes. all of it by cooking. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. How about your dad, like, as a man? So if you can, I think it's one of the hardest things, right? To like mm-hmm. separate. Yeah. ourselves from like our parents' identity from how we interacted with them. You know what I mean? Right. So I guess I'm kind I of do. asking you to do the impossible, but at the same time, it's what we take pride in with our yes. parents and our kids is like how other, and our husbands too, how other people experience them. So tell me about your dad, mm-hmm. like as a man, his accomplishments, how other people experienced him, his his career. I know he traveled a lot. Tell me about that. He did, yeah. I mean, he... He definitely was a natural people person. People loved being around him, especially in our family, I guess. People who knew him well also knew that he could have kind of his good days and his bad days, mm. meaning he could be moody, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to put it lightly, like, mm. and not in a mean way, just in a, I just kind of want to keep to myself, or he mm-hmm. could be very, he kind of borderline bipolar at times the ups and downs could be pretty extreme but never in like a mean nasty way just Mm -hmm. like a social kind of way Mm -hmm. socializing kind of way I guess but yes it felt really good when he was in his gregarious socializing mood Mm. and to be around him then was really a treat you know like Mm. it felt good he he made everyone feel welcome loved feeding and cooking and you know everyone loved his food but that's mainly just in the family but as far Mm. as how other people outside of the family felt pretty much the same I mean he like if we went to the grocery store together which we did often he would strike up a conversation with the checkout person and uh like he had his like favorite people at our local grocery <laughs> store and he'd get in their line and chat with them. And, mm. you know, he was just very friendly, very, very outgoing. I don't think, I don't think he could be embarrassed. I don't, mm. <laughs> like it was like, I just an wasn't. amazing quality. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I had absorbed that from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll get there one day. And then in his career, he, he did mm. a lot of different things, but he was, everything he did involved international travel. He was, he traveled a lot throughout my whole life and his, and uh, he could go anywhere and just fit right in. Even if he didn't Mm. speak the language, he just, he understood how to interact with people. And, and he was just very genuine in that Mm. way. Like I know when I was a kid, he used to go to Bulgaria, to Greece, and he lived in Egypt for a couple of years when I was in high school. And and then in his, his longest stretch, I guess, in one place was he was in Afghanistan in Kabul for, gosh, probably 10 to 15 years over, over the course like the whole course of it um I mean he came back like he wasn't there the whole time but yeah he just he developed friends and and co-workers and employees Mm. you know he he worked on different contracts you know he was working with like General Dynamics and Raytheon and all these big names but like he, Mm. he was still himself through the whole like wild ride of working overseas and uh yeah he just he loved it. He he kind of had that itch to like mm-hmm. travel again if he was back here for too long. But then as he as he got older that kind of did fade. Like he mm-hmm. wanted to be 
here more than he was away. And he, when you talk about him, like interacting with people, it sounds like it wasn't just the other contractors that he was there with, but he kind of embedded himself. Yeah, he did. He really did. I mean, he would go to the markets and, you know, uh, meet the local people. And I mean, even like in Afghanistan, it, it, it wasn't uncommon to have kind of a, like for expats and, you know, anyone working over there to have like a, I don't really know the PC way to say it, but almost mm-hmm. like a butler, I guess, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. someone who lived like in a the, personal the home assistant and, and assisted oh. with different things like going to the market and cooking food. But of course my dad loved to cook. So he did yeah. most of the cooking, but, but he had someone like that in his yeah. home in Afghanistan. And I was able, I went over there a few times when he was living there and uh, I met him. He was a super nice man. And he, I have that recipe on my blog for these Afghan eggs with Afghan flatbread. And um, mm. I learned it from him and he mm. made it for us while we were there together. And uh, mm. he was like a part of the family. Like, mm. but yeah. He, people just really loved him. Much I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that all, he and all his brothers were creative. What was his work? Gosh, <laughs> he did a lot of different things. Um, mm. He, I think his, his willingness and ability to travel and adapt mm-hmm. and make friends and go kind of anywhere led him to like the contracts that he ended up working on. But I know when I was a child, he, and I don't know which, like who he was working for then, of course, but he would go to places like ports in other, and like, that's why he was in Greece. He would go and kind of buy up like old, like scrap metal from ships, like in ports over there mm-hmm. i guess there was an industry in that a market for it um mm-hmm. sure <laughs> and um when he was working in afghanistan he was on various contracts with it basically it was logistics i guess mm-hmm. would be the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hello listeners after this interview was completed anita wrote me the next day and shared that there was something she had completely forgotten to share about her father's work which was very important to her and to him, and she wanted a chance to share it. And because of our schedules, the week that this episode is releasing, we weren't able to get back on the phone to talk about it, which is what both she and I would have preferred. But I am really happy to share the story with you now that she left via my SpeakPipe account. Something else that my father was particularly proud of was that he was the team leader of a feasibility study. It was under the Bush administration, and it was for the establishment of the American University of Afghanistan. And that was something that I know he was very, very proud of. And of all the places he traveled and the jobs he did, the adventures he went on, I do think that that was the one that gave him the most amount of pride and of kind of that doing good for the universe feeling. I actually had to go back through some old emails and get the details of it. Of course, I knew about it. And the feasibility study resulted in a grant by First Lady Laura Bush of $30 million to build the initial physical and educational infrastructure of the American University which is just, I mean, of course, to me, I value education. I was very proud of myself for graduating from college as an adult. And I know he was very proud of me too. And my grandfather, grandparents were, and just feel like it kind of just tied all of that together and made 
I know I keep saying this, but it just made him very proud. Even in his email where he had written about this, he actually copied me kind of on a, not really a resume, but something similar. He used to have me like proofread things like that for him, which was silly because he was a better writer than I was, but I guess I was a better editor than he was. He even wrote in that email, I am proud of my role in this process and young Afghan freshmen are now taking courses at the university. And I think this email is from, gosh, 2000, so like 13, maybe. So, and I just, I didn't want to talk about him without talking about that because it was just a really big deal to him and to everyone affected by it. All of the students who were able to go to that university now, it's like his legacy, kind of, one of them at least. That is a wonderful legacy. I'm so glad Anita shared that with us after the fact. And now we're going to return to the rest of the interview. Yeah. And when I was over there, I got to like go with him. And wow. And, and I know it was fun. It was exciting. It was, I know it was a very like once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Was he there since basically the U.S. has been at war with Afghanistan? Was he um, there for part of that time? He would have started over there kind of right around the time my son was born, and mm-hmm. he's 18 now. So, so yeah, we've basically yeah. been at war that whole time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how about your dad as a dad, as a father? And let's start particularly with the travel. Like, that's something you love about him. You're super proud of him. And it's just like such an integral part of who he was. He was so independent and a free spirit. He had this wanderlust. Was that hard for you ever? Like as a child? I mean, definitely as a child, like, of course, I missed him when he was gone. And of Mm -hmm. course, then, you know, I'm 38. So Mm -hmm. when I was a child, there were no cell phones, Mm -hmm. there was no FaceTime. Like when he was gone, he was gone. And if you wanted to have a conversation, it was incredibly expensive. It's funny, I had this memory the other night of like, when I I used to, when I was very little, if I saw an airplane in the sky, I always thought it was him. Like, no matter what, Mm. like, because you don't understand, like, timelines, I guess. Like, when you're a kid, Mm. you don't think, like, no, he's not still flying. Like, he's where he is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But, Hmm. but yeah, of course, that that was definitely hard. And and I I don't want to talk about my mother much. I didn't respond to your question about that. We we don't have a relationship. But when I was a kid, like, I, I lived, like, my parents were married until I was 17 or 18. And, uh, but they, as long as I can remember, they haven't had a good relationship and I haven't had a good one with my mother. So I was with her when he was gone. Um, okay. And I also had this realization the other day and I was talking to Jason about it. I don't remember. And I'm not just saying like, I really do not remember any meal (laughs) that my mom cooked for me. And I remember, I could tell you wow, so many things my dad cooked for me. And it's almost like wow. I just blocked it out. Like maybe if I was hypnotized, I would remember. I don't know <laughs> if that actually works. But, but no, it, it's just mm-hmm. interesting that I spent a lot of my childhood with her and I don't, I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of memories of it. It's such a strange thing. That is strange. And so we don't focus on, you know, what you don't want to, I, I want to ask the question the other way, which is, how 
did you and your father become so close when you were so physically far apart? Like, how did all these memories happen? Yeah, I think just because the time we spent together was so good, so rich and so kind of fun and wild. And, and you know, he he was just not he didn't parent by the books like he mm. he was a wonderful father, loving, you know, mm. took care of me. But he we would just go off, you know, like we used to go on mushroom hunts, as he mm. called them. And we, we would go like foraging, basically. But we didn't mm. call it that. And because we lived across from a river and there was a lot of that just perfect, that environment for mushrooms to grow. And uh, we would go, you know, hunting for mushrooms. And everything we did was just fun. Like there was an element of like, just like it was our own little world of whatever mm. we were doing. It was an adventure. Um, it was an adventure. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was the same way with, with my kids. Mm. They would go off and like wander through the forest and do, you know, fun, wild things together. And mm. It was just, uh, but yeah, we, we, he traveled a lot, but we still spent, you know, he, he went kind of back and forth. So he was home and then he was gone. And, mm-hmm. and I, of course, looked forward to when he was home. And and I also spent a lot of time with my grandparents, his mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of kept that connection really close, mm-hmm. um, being around them and the uncles and, you know, I guess you could say the Paris side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we like those are my memories mm-hmm. of my childhood is the times that we were all kind of together. And then the times I was with my dad. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about like, he could have his withdrawn side and then his super gregarious side, did you feel like you had to walk on eggshells on those withdrawn days or you just felt like you could just be with him? Like it was just, yeah. you enjoyed both stages, yeah, never, states. Yeah. I never felt like that. I knew when he was in those kinds of moods and it was like I could still be around him. And when he was living here, you know, by himself, I knew that I could still just come over anytime. Like I didn't have to like call ahead and make sure it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as I got older and I kind of went through this sort of like wanting to be like the, not really mediator, but like trying to like, oh, well, we're having you know, grandma's doing this thing and you should come. <laughs> and like, it really would bother me then that sometimes he didn't want to be involved in certain mm-hmm. things. And I would kind of, you know, give him a little bit of hell about it. And <laughs> it didn't always, it, you know, usually it didn't change his mind. We would just like get in a mm-hmm. little like argument and mm-hmm. then everything would be fine. But mm-hmm. it but wasn't yeah. effective, but he didn't hold it against you. Right. I would try and get him to kind of come out of his shell when he was in it. And then I just kind of realized, okay. And like, I get it. I don't ever really feel that way myself. I mean, certainly it's Mm -hmm. nice to have alone time sometimes, but, Mm. but he, I don't doubt that he had a little bit of, I don't know, more extreme than mood swings type of Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. ups and downs. But he managed it. He managed it. Mm-hmm. He did. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, and I think, I mean, that's my husband and I were talking about this the other day. Like, who's really to say what typical, <laughs> what typical right. is? I think it's more how <laughs> well do you manage your parts that are, at, you know, off the spectrum, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think so too. And of course, it bugged me when I was a teenager and like mm-hmm. I wanted him to come to this thing or go to that event. And mm-hmm. And now that I am older and of course wiser, mm. I, I realized like all he was doing was staying home and like cooking, of course, because that's what he did. Mm. And 
and kind of just keeping to himself for, you know, not like these long periods of time. It was just sort of like he'd be in sort of a mood, um, but he just kept to himself. Like he didn't do anything bad. He didn't, he didn't harm anyone or himself. Like he just right. wanted to basically be left be alone. alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I agree with you. Like if that's how you're managing your, whatever it is, your feelings or your moods, then it's really not that bad. Like it's mm-hmm. only bad to the people who want to be around you and they'll be okay. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it really does feel like you guys just understood each other. We did. We like- you're like, Oh yeah. Like he was just kind of like rotten to be around sometimes. That's okay. Like you just understood each other. You just had a, you just had an understanding. We really did. And I was thinking about that earlier today too, like how to kind of explain our relationship because it was such a natural thing, which almost makes it harder to explain Mm -hmm. what was, you know, like, but we just, we could just be together. Like we could just spend time together. We traveled really well together, which I think also says a lot because traveling can be quite stressful and like causes arguments and people bickering over things. And we just like, we always had this very natural, like just slow to our relationship, even when we were annoyed with each other, which did happen. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like we had our arguments (laughs) and we had our little tiffs, but we really... I don't know. We just had a very harmonious yeah. <laughs> relationship yeah. and like the same thing with cooking. And that's another thing. Like mm. I love my children. I love my husband. Mm. I love like cooking. Like I've kind of joked like food mm. and cooking. It's my love language. Like that's mm-hmm. what I do for people. I love my dad was mm-hmm. the same way, but actually being in the kitchen with other people and preparing a meal mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. like that's, that is not all it's cracked up to be. And <laughs> it can be irritating. Like, it really can be. And like, of course, you know, like when you're a mom, you're like, oh, I got to bake with my kids. And like, you, <laughs> but sometimes it's really like way more stressful than it needs to be. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And it takes so much longer. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, like the point is that my dad and I always cook together. Like from the time I was so little, like he just always made me feel very, even if he gave me like the most insignificant task, like I was Mm -hmm. helping him with something or I was, and I wanted to be in the kitchen with him and it never changed. Like as I got older, you know, like I got more experienced of course. And then I knew like, he didn't have to tell me like, Oh, Mm -hmm. do this or slice it this way. And we just evolved together, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of cooking together in the kitchen and, Mm -hmm. and never, I never felt like he didn't want me in the kitchen with him. Yeah. And and I just think yeah. that's amazing as a parent myself now, like I try really hard not to ever make my yeah. kids feel like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. You know, I just keep thinking though, like this, I feel like it kind of shows, I'm trying to think how to put this, but like, it was just so natural. And I feel like there's so many like, I feel like we could totally just start playing armchair psychologist here and be like, well, you know. know, he was away. And so she wanted to prove it. But it's like, you two were just peas in a pod. You were going to get along no matter what happened, because you just fit together. Like you just fit together naturally. And yeah. it's such a gift because like, that doesn't always happen actually with kids. And I think that in those cases, you can work to have a really strong relationship. A relationship with your child is always worth working through. Yeah. But there are certain relationships that are just natural and easy and you don't actually have to work at them that hard. And you guys just had one of those. We really did. And 
it just was natural. It flowed. Like I always wanted to be around him. And like, obviously as I got older, like I had my own family and I wasn't around him like all the, all the time, but, but that's what I wanted to do. Like if, if yeah. I had like a free afternoon or a weekend, or like we were always texting back and forth about food and like, mm. Oh, come over. I'm making this or Ooh, let me send you a that's picture amazing. of this. Like, <laughs> mm. that's just, wonderful. We, we always had a good time together and it didn't, that didn't always mean like something, you know, extraordinary was going on. It was just like being together, like being outside, yeah. enjoying a beautiful afternoon and cooking a meal together. Mm-hmm. Like that was our relationship or mm-hmm. traveling and, and finding the, you know, like one time mm-hmm. we had a, a layover at JFK and we, we just wandered around eating mm-hmm. for like two hours. I think. <laughs> And we laughed about it like after that for years because we did. We we like I don't remember everything we <laughs> ate, of course, but it was just like, well, what are we gonna do for two hours? <laughs> we just <laughs> ate all kinds of things. I do remember getting these really good pecans. They were like praline pecans. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just uh, that's just how we were. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're stuck here for two hours. This is terrible. We just had a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's just irreplaceable. It's just irreplaceable. I think I just feel, I think I just feel really happy for you. You know, like sometimes it's like, oh, there's this lesson, like this is how to make it go so well. But in this case, I just feel like happy for you that you had that with your dad. That's such a gift. Thank you. So as we talk about the cooking, tell me about the shepherd's pie. So first of all, people listening might not know what shepherd's pie is. So maybe explain that. Yeah, well, it's technically made with lamb because sheep, (laughs) lamb, shepherds. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad made it with beef a lot and I do too. And I don't call it anything different, but I know technically like the the food police will be mad at me for that. But (laughs) we're not um, worried about that. (laughs) But yeah, it's like a ground meat mixture with my dad always added carrots, Mm -hmm. celery, onion, like the mirepoix garlic. So it's like a really flavorful ground beef mixture, kind of like with a gravy, um, like a thickish gravy. And then you mash potatoes and put them on top and bake it in the oven. So it's like a meat and potato pie, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or, or I guess casserole, like it's sort of casserole-ish. Um, yeah. And it's delicious, very, very flavorful and hearty. It's a good wintertime meal, but we eat it you know, any time of year. Oh, but, uh, mashed potatoes are my comfort food. It's like, it's, oh, gosh. oh they are my favorite food, really. Mashed they're potatoes. So good. Oh, there's always, I can't, I can't yes. go all summer without mashed potatoes. No, I know. Like, I think people have these like food rules and I'm like, no, I definitely eat ice cream in the winter and I eat shepherd's pie in the summertime. Like, like I don't, I don't think you should deprive yourself of something that you love just because it's the wrong season. So there is an ingredient in your shepherd's pie that Maybe I don't make enough shepherd pies, but it shocked me. Do you know what it is? The one I'm going to say surprised me. The coffee. Oh, yes. (laughs) Is that just dad's recipe? Well, it's definitely his influence. He used to make this, well, a couple, kind of anytime he would make like a slow roasted meat dish Mm. or he used to make this stewed like rabbit dish. Mm. And he would put like a little bit of coffee in it. And I remember like that flavor from when I was a kid, you don't really Mm -hmm. taste the coffee, but Mm -hmm. it just is something very unique. And Mm -hmm. I remember asking him about it. Yeah. Um, It's just like, there's like a robustness to it. Yeah. And it just like, you know, if you're making something with like rabbit or chicken, you're not going to have like anything really dark in there Mm -hmm. to make kind of that darker brown gravy. 
Mm. And I think it's partly for that, like the color, hmm. but also for the flavor. It adds like a, a little bit of a bitter, like richness. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good. I do the same thing in my pot roast recipe, which is why I said that. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those things, like if you have coffee left over in the pot, which we almost always yeah. do, like throw right. some in there. <laughs> if you don't have it, you don't have to add it and it'll still be really good. Well, um, it's always an excuse to make another cup of coffee. Like, yes. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I- I think that what you just said is what I love about this recipe, because I feel like now that I've listened to you, it sums up your dad and your kind of wild spirit. It is, you know, your <laughs> people might not know this, but your old business name was Cook on a Whim, which is yes. like, you just do this. And you clearly got that from your dad. And Definitely. again, just this easiness in your relationship, it comes through in this recipe I'm reading and it's one cup of wine. And then you literally say red, white, rosé, marsala, whatever you have open. You know, yeah, like I have a cup of broth. Gonna... Yeah, it's you know optional, <laughs> like chicken or beef broth. <laughs> like you know, like yeah. um, if I'm out of tomato paste, I just omit it. No big deal. You know, and I love the way that your personality and even your relationship completely comes through in this recipe. Yeah, and oh, and I also happen you. to love that approach to cooking, but I really love it. Yeah. Like we are knowing, knowing what I know now, what we know now as listeners about yeah. your dad. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it just, it's, that's how you guys talk together. Like, eh, if you want to come to this party, great. If you don't, you're lost, you know? <laughs> like, just right. Have, we'll you miss know? you, but we'll still have fun. Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's always the beef broth if you don't have chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is how he cooked. Of course, there are recipes where you really should like follow it, like exactly. Yeah. So if you want it to turn out, like, I mean, but yeah. I think with savory recipes, especially something like a stewy type thing or like this, like casserole, like people get so like worked up about like, oh, everything has to be just exactly the way it's yeah. supposed to be. And that's not how I learned how to cook. So in a yeah. way, it was a little challenging and still is for me to share my recipes right, because recipe. that's, yes. that's why and I'm <laughs> glad you picked up on that. I, that's why I put all these little notes in because that is how I cook. I swear it makes the food taste better because you're oh. not so stressed out. <laughs> oh, definitely. It definitely. And you know, it's like, it's how he lived his life too. Like you said, like yeah. every time you went with him, it was just an adventure. Well, maybe it was. we'll, you know, do this or maybe we'll find that. It's just, you know, yeah. like it can't go wrong if it's all good. Like if it's all mm-hmm. good ingredients, it can't go wrong. If it's Anita and her dad together, like it's gotta be a good time. You know, it's just, yes. I really feel this parallel here. Oh, <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. And I think it, it also explains that you know, I'm kind of like, gosh, you really felt that free to just send your writing to your dad. You weren't, you weren't scared, you know, or yeah. And trying to like put that in the context of him having been away so much, but this really was just his approach of like, it's okay. It's okay. Let's experiment. Let's try. And he provided the safety net for you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He gave me that, like you said, like a safety net, like it's okay to like try things and like, you're going to grow, like you're going to get better. Like, you know, when I first started cooking with him, I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned. And now I consider myself a very good cook and I have good (laughs) instincts in the kitchen. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what he, he had like, Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of the, the biggest compliment, I guess, that other Mm -hmm. people give him on his cooking, because my whole, Mm -hmm. my uncles, you know, his brothers, they're very good cooks themselves, but they will admit that they're not as good as Scott. Mm. (laughs) And it's because he just knows like what will taste good together and like how long something Mm. should cook. Like he had these very natural instincts when it Mm -hmm. came to that whole 
world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are things that he made that I, I don't yet. Yeah. And he taught you to trust your instincts. Yeah, Yeah. he really did. With Mm -hmm. writing, with cooking, with most things, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm not always right. That's for sure. Like I definitely make mistakes, but, Mm -hmm. but having that like, oh, I think I'll add a little bit of this. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a good, it makes cooking more fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, he taught you not to, you don't fear your mistakes. It's like, of course you're good. Like the truth is you're going to make them either way. You're going to make them following a recipe. You're going to make them not, but you can't learn something new or come up with a new masterpiece if you don't try something new. So yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's finish up like we kind of started here by talking about this land where I hear these birds chirping right now and where you live. Tell us the story about the land and your attachment to it. Well, I think it was shortly before I was born and I was born in 82. My parents found this land. It's in Warrington, Virginia. It's 11 acres. Beautiful. Warrington, Virginia is just one of the most beautiful beautiful places in America. And it's it's old farmland, um, and it was a much larger parcel, of course, like long, long ago, and it's been mm-hmm. sort of divvied up over the years. But this house and the land that we're on is kind of like the a higher point around, like the highest point where we are. And it was the house, the farmhouse, long, long ago. It was built in 1889. And of course, it was added on to at some point. The records, it, trying to find information on old houses is really very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> But it still has, you know, the one section of the house has the original foundation and like a neat old like root cellar. It's 11 acres of beautiful, like part of it is just wooded, like kind of wild land. It was it your, it was your dad's, but your grandparents lived on it for a bit of time. Uh, Yeah, I should explain that. It's a little complicated. (laughs) Sorry. My my parents bought it and then we lived here when I was very, very young, which I don't have a lot of memories of until I was about three. And then they bought another piece of farmland in a neighboring county. And that's where I grew up. And this house was kind of in shambles when they bought it. And it just sat kind of like that for years and years. And then Mm -hmm. in like the late 90s, my (laughs) grandparents sold their property and we renovated this house and they lived here for a few years. And then my dad lived in it after them. So it was, it was our families, you know, the whole time, but it was vacant for a long time. And and it it did need quite a bit of work, but there were things that were definitely overlooked (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it was, it was just so old. And if you don't dig deep enough, you don't find out some of the things. So when my dad passed away, I, he and I were on the deed together. So it went to me and Jason and I were like, we didn't want to sell it. Like it's, it's such a special place, Mm -hmm. but we, just decided let's just mm-hmm. <laughs> let's continue let's just the it. renovations because he had my dad had started these little like well not little pretty big projects and uh you know obviously like we were mourning it was a terrible yeah. time to have to make financial and like real life decisions you know yeah. uh, but but we had to because money like what are we gonna do like we already have a house and a mortgage yeah <laughs> so so we decided to just go for it and we spent about a year continuing the renovations and really like you said we could play like armchair yeah or whatever it's called I feel like through the taking care of this house process I mm-hmm. it was almost like taking care of mm-hmm. him and like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like fixing him but uh, mm-hmm. anyway like I know I couldn't 
do that. But um, mm. I mean, it was built so, mm. so long ago. So the you know regulations and everything we have now are totally different. We didn't expect it to take as long mm-hmm. as it did or to cost as much as it did. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, now we're here. We've been living here for over a year now. And mm. it feels right. It feels good. I mean, of course, it's bittersweet still, but it's like, you know, my dad's spirit is here. And Mm. this was one of his favorite places and mine. Mm. And it's taken care of, you know, and we take, we take care of it. We live in it, we cook in it. And it, it feels it feels good. Of course, I wish he was here, but yeah, you know, well, I think I overuse this word sometimes, but it honors him. It does. I feel that way. And Mm. I, I really genuinely feel that way. And I know that if he was still here, none of this would have happened. But also if he was here, he would appreciate and really Mm -hmm. enjoy what we have done because we Mm -hmm. also honored the house and the property. We tried Mm -hmm. to not change things too much, but to keep them or to make them more sound and sturdy and so that it will last, you know, Mm -hmm. for future generations. How many acres is it? 11. It's beautiful. It's, I have always felt very at home here and Mm -hmm. there's something kind of magical about it. The way the breeze blows and the the way things grow here. I don't know if you've ever heard of wine berries. I have not. They just Mm -hmm. grow wild here. And my dad Mm -hmm. and I have picked them for years and years and they grow all over this property, um, right along the edge of the woods Mm. and they're delicious. I've seen these. I never knew that that's what they are. So for people listening, they're like raspberries, but you know how raspberries Uh have like a dull or a matte finish? These are shinier, almost like a blackberry. Mm -hmm. They're not as fuzzy as a raspberry and their their seeds are smaller. Like they're much, I I love raspberries, but they're kind of more enjoyable to eat than a raspberry. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so we pick like bowls full of them. And well, of course the wild thistles and honeysuckle. Mm. I mean, there's just so many things on this land that I just love. And you have this yeah. particular memory of your dad bringing your mom, your grandmother flowers. Yeah. The wild thistle story was my, my grandpa kind of yanking them up out of the ground, bringing them in for my grandma and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're sharp. <laughs> they're really yeah. hard to pick. <laughs> yeah, so no I always kidding. just first, how did you do that? Yeah. Second, that's so sweet. That <laughs> yeah, is a beautiful image. Mm. I love them. They're really beautiful weeds. I mean, really, I I don't think of them as weeds, but they are. They just kind of grow up and just do their thing here because they're pretty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So is that why you named your blog, that memory, Wild Thistle Kitchen? It's definitely part of that. And just this land. And also a story that does involve my dad and thistles, and maybe this is what you were thinking of, Mm -hmm. um, is that he, (laughs) he... told me they're related to artichokes which they are um, yeah artichokes are thistles so he convinced me that that we should peel one and prepare it like an artichoke and of course it's teeny tiny inside they're not as big as artichokes but we did and it did it, it tasted like an artichoke heart so I've eaten a wild thistle and they should be the next restaurant like foraging yeah. kind of trend because <laughs> they're really very good and of course they're beautiful <laughs> that's a very vivid memory um, so there are multiple reasons why mm-hmm. I chose wild thistle kitchen mm-hmm. um, I also am a free spirit like my dad I'm sure yeah. I got that from him and I just I love being outside I love nature I love kind of the wild yeah. things yeah <laughs> so I agree it fits <laughs> <laughs> and uh and something too about this idea of like 
doing the work to get past the weeds and the sharp, it kind of seems to work for you and for him. Very, yeah, that's very symbolic. I like that you pulled that out of there, (laughs) you know, and, and I planted this big, huge, wonderful garden. And, you know, we had talked about doing that here together and we just kind of never got around to it. Jason helped me. Well, I helped him really. <laughs> Build a beautiful you had the idea. Bed. Yes. Yes. I was the creative direction. <laughs> um, and I grow all the stuff, but yeah, he helped build these raised beds and it, it was it was a, a chore, but it, it's wonderful. Like I love having it. And I know my dad would would love it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Like I feel the peacefulness of it kind of like wafting through the phone as I hear. Yeah. I wish you were here with me. Yes. It is. I can just imagine. There's a light it. breeze. What's also wonderful about old, old houses is the trees are also really old and mm-hmm. big and beautiful. And it's very peaceful back here. That's mm. just wonderful. How will you cope on Father's Day? Um, of course it's, it's emotional. It kind of brings up those same feelings, but you know, I, I have Jason to celebrate and he's a wonderful father. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll make something either in his memory or something that I learned from him or something that he would love. And that's kind of what I do now. Like Mm -hmm. even on mother's day, I made kind of, we, (laughs) my kids called my dad Bobo. Maybe that's what I should say. That's so cute. Where did they come up with that? My son, Aiden, when he was just really little, and I still remember we were sitting at a a picnic table Mm -hmm. and Aiden just started calling him Bobo. And he was kind Mm -hmm. of joking because he and my dad, of course, were little jokesters. Mm -hmm. Like they were always so silly together and it just stuck. He was just Bobo after that. (laughs) And so like when there's a recipe that is his through and through, we call it like Bobo's chicken or Bobo's Mm -hmm. whatever. And so for Mother's Day, we made Bobo's chicken because it was one of my favorite recipes. Mm. Like I said, I think about halfway through, I'm just happy for you that you had this like just easy, safe, fun relationship. Like I feel like he was your soulmate before Jason was your soulmate. <laughs> I think so too. And I appreciate you saying that because yeah. I always felt that way. Like I don't think a soulmate has to be a romantic no. one. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like we just were that way. And I love that I was able to spend so much time with him. And mm. especially as I, in my older years, like we traveled mm. together and mm-hmm. we just always had such a good time and I have such good memories. I, I want to write more about that. But when I do, I'll yeah. feel that sort of release, that feeling of like, oh, like I did it and it's out yeah. there. And I feel, I don't know if it's even like a feeling of feeling better. It's just, I guess it is just therapeutic. and yeah. Well, I wish you the best as you continue to go through that. And I will read whatever you put out about him. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, all right. Well, the last thing I'm going to tell listeners is that they definitely need to go find you because your recipes are amazing. Your scones are the best I've ever had. So (laughs) tell everybody (laughs) where to find you. Okay. Um, Well, I am at wildthistlekitchen.com. That's my Mm -hmm. blog. And of course, on Instagram, um, wild.thistle.kitchen. And I love sharing. I mean, of course, you all can tell that I'm very sentimental and nostalgic. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my whole, like, Mm -hmm. you're always going to get like a little bit of a 
family story or a memory of my dad with my recipes. And that's Mm -hmm. because that's where they all come from. That's right. Yes. Far more than can be contained in one episode. (laughs) So people really need to go find you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Becky. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for kind of forcing yourself to go through this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for for asking so delicately and thoughtfully. (laughs) Um, I really appreciate it. Well, I'm happy to share this. I think that there's going to be a lot of I hate to say this because it feels like it's minimizing it, but you'll know it's not like this is a universal experience. You know, yeah. there's going to be a no, lot of people mean. listening to this that are going to need to hear it. It's going to be their Definitely. version of showing up at the hospital and yeah. being like, I I went through that. Yeah, it is that way. Like when you put it out there, it's amazing how many people come back and are like, oh, I felt that way or this happened yeah. to me. And I, I love feeling like I can help people feel that way. Yeah. Um, and, and you do that always with your mm. podcast. And, mm. and I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. It's like, we just have to work through these things in community, really, even yeah. if we don't like know the community, <laughs> like I sometimes so our too. community can't be that community because they haven't actually gone through the experience in the same way, or it's not safe to, or for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much, Anita. I will, uh, um, you know, I'll be in touch and, yes. uh, Thank you so much, Becky. It was so nice talking to you. You too. Hopefully we will do it in person someday soon. I hope so. (laughs) All right. Take care. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Anita for sharing her experiences as well as her dad's shepherd pie. I want to give this recipe six stars out of five for flavor, ease, and how much my family loved it. This is absolutely moving into our regular rotation. You can find the recipe along with the show notes for this episode over on thestoriedrecipe.com. That's it and have a great week, my friends.